Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We are also proud members of the Bar Network. Today is episode 20. Join us as we discuss legacy. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find out all the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 15. Well, hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. And... Like usual, I'm excited about this episode. Well, good. I think it's going to be a good one. You picked the topic. I did pick the topic. I'm glad you're excited about it then. Yes. Because if you weren't, that would make for a dull episode. Yeah, it'd be bad. Yeah. It, it would be it'd be bad. But that's not the case. I am, in fact, incited, excited. Incited. Incited. I wonder what that means. To incite. Don't be incited by gaslighting. There's your daily proverb. Okay, so how are how are things? <laughs> Good, man. How about you? Good. Okay. All right. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, today we will be talking about legacy, leaving a legacy, leaving a legacy, inheriting a legacy. Yes. Being legacy focused. Yes. With our lives. Legacy minded. Ooh. With our brains. And (laughs) blessings. Amen. Okay. So before we get into that, (laughs) Matt. Yes, sir. What are you into? That's old. Oh, 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 shoot. That's right. Okay. What are your, what is one thing that you affirm and one thing that you deny? Affirmations and denials. That's the new thing. That is the new thing. I'm old. I'm out of the trend. For the last two episodes. Yeah, I, I, man, you need to get I with. Sincerely it. apologize. You need to catch up with the times. We're always progressing, or you're left behind. That's right. Oh, left behind. Mm. So my affirmation and denial. I've got an affirmation 
first, and it's an app. Good. You've experienced this app. Uh-huh. So, Andrew and I, since October-ish, have been hitting the gym, getting into shape, yeah, working on our physiques, and we're wanting to start doing more cardio. And an app that I had before has made its way back into common use and the app itself is called 10k runner so what it does it's basically like couch to 5k if you've ever heard of that it's just a a way to get you from doing nothing to running a 10k and uh so we started that the other day and i'm a couple days in on it now basically what the app does is you put in your activity level you put in all that stuff and it provides a program to get you running a 10K by the set date that you have. I've put three months in, and so it will have me being able to run and complete a 10K in three months. And uh, so you start off, which you did it with me yesterday. Um, you start off, you walk to warm up, and then the first time that you do it has you run for a minute, walk for a minute and a half and then you do that six times and then you walk another five minutes to cool down so it's a total of 25 minutes today i did it by myself because andrew was being a solitary runner today so i had to be one as well hmm. and uh they upped the ante a little bit i had to do the same thing eight times i think uh, and then tomorrow i looked and you run for a minute and a half, walk for two minutes, four times, and then run for a minute, walk for a minute twice. Hmm. So it's kind of extending the time that you're running so that you're being comfortable with running. And initially, it's all about time, just being able to run for time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to get work you up to being able to run for 30 minutes. And um, so, yeah, so I've, I've enjoyed getting back into running with, with the app. Um, I will probably leave the app in the future. I think once I can get to where I'm doing, uh, you know, if I can run for 30 minutes and if you can run two miles, you can run five miles. It's just Mm -hmm. mental at that point. So, uh, but it's good to, to get back from the couch doing nothing as far as running is concerned to build your cardio, to be able to sustain a running pace. Yeah. I affirm the app. I like it. Um, if any of you are into running or would like to get into running, it's something worth checking out. Yeah. Okay. And it encourages you along the oh, way. Oh, yeah. It's do. like, you're doing great. Keep going. Yeah. You're, you're like, almost done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, today when I started it, uh-huh. it said, oh, what did it say? It was like, you chose to be out here running today. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, That's uh, great. <laughs> you're running. You're halfway done. It's like, you're doing swell. Oh. I'm like, okay. Thank you. Man. I feel swell. Yeah. I'm sure. But really... yeah, so it, it gives you encouragement along the way. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. So uh, that's my affirmation. My denial today needs a little bit of explanation. Okay. All right, so my wife and I were trying to find a show to watch, and we had a bunch of recommendations from a lot of different people. 
Um, church people, non-church people, lots of different people. They're all like, hey, you need to watch Yellowstone. You need to watch Yellowstone. So we got the $5 a month Peacock, which is the only way that you can stream Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And uh, we started watching it. And it is super dark. <laughs> it's super dark. Really? Um, it's It kind of gives me the same feel. What was the show back in the day where the teacher had cancer and started, he was a chemistry teacher, started making meth and selling meth? Oh, Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. Yeah. It's got the same feel, right? Just this dark undertone thing. And um, that leads me into my point. Um, I also heard a podcast today, old Doug Wilson was talking to a guy and, um, and this helps reaffirm my point. But if you go on and you watch most of the shows that are popular today on any streaming platform, which is the only way that anybody watches shows now, nobody watches cable, we stream stuff. But uh, don't say that you watch cable because you're about to move. <laughs> I'm about to not watch cable. <laughs> so, um, but if you look at like Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime, most of the shows that are out nowadays are um, dark. And so I'm denying our fascination with horror. Hmm. All right. And here's why. This could be its own episode. In fact, it it might be one day. But I'm denying our fascination with horror because horror is the way that a society deals with revolution. So if you look at the French Revolution, um, out of that came Frankenstein. Mm. Um, If you look at the Russian Revolution, out of that came uh, Dracula. And if you look at the revolution, the sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s, that brings in Alien and Halloween and all of these different Friday the 13th. Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, all that stuff, right? So what's happening there is people are feeling guilty because they're a part of this revolution, right? Sexual revolution, um, just whatever it is. So like... A, a good example, when you're looking at the French Revolution, uh, one of the things that was being pushed was that we don't need to be held. So the French Revolution was completely different than our revolution in America. The American Revolution was a fight to go back to the way things should be. The French Revolution was this enlightenment and this we need to get rid of religion, we need to get rid of the the Bible being over us and dictating how we can live our life. We want this freedom to choose how we want to live and what we want to do. And we want to govern ourselves, not have the Bible govern us. Ours was the opposite of that. Ours was we understand that there is this creator and we want to go back to uh, the way that he's established things. So um, in that, one of the things that they were saying is, Basically, the body is this machine, and any kind of passion that we have for each other or any kind of love, that's just the fluid that makes the machine go. Mm. And so you can have any kind of relationships and all of that stuff, right? Uh, So in the midst of that was this lady, and she fell in love with this revolutionary, and 
he had a wife. Uh, they went off on this fling to Switzerland or somewhere. And when they came back, his wife had killed herself um, mm. because she knew what was going on. She kills herself. And uh, that lady that was the mistress is the author of Frankenstein. And basically what you have Frankenstein saying is uh, Frankenstein's monster is saying to Frankenstein, you thought that you could play with humanity. Now look what you've done. I'm the byproduct of that, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so people are attracted to that because people feel guilty of sin when they shouldn't because they reject God. They reject the idea of sin. They reject the idea that there's male and female. They reject all of that, right? Mm -hmm. The sexual revolution of today, we're rejecting gender norms. We're rejecting uh, the patriarchy. We're rejecting all this stuff, right? And so the problem arises then, why do people on um, The Bachelor, why do they get mad when The Bachelor sleeps with multiple women right before asking one to marry him? Mm -hmm. You know, or, or why do these things happen? Um, and, and so we have this guilt that, that we can't deal with, right? So like Friday the 13th, you've got the promiscuous girl, and as soon as her top comes off, she gets killed, mm -hmm. you know? Right. And so people leave and and they're thinking you know what like that's that's me that person was slain for that sin and i kind of feel like my sins have been atoned for you know mm -hmm. what i mean so but if you look at the history of horror horror films horror stories all of that and and why our society is so dark today and drawn to dark things like that it's because we watch that and kind of put ourselves in that place and then when the we see the Bible work itself out that once sin is full grown, it leads to death. We see that happen. Then we leave there feeling almost like that was the scapegoat. Yeah. Our sins have been put on that and now it's been murdered and now I'm okay, but mm -hmm. we're not dealing with the root issue, which is sin in our life. And so like when you look at the storyline of aliens, um, why do the aliens get on the ship? Because the aliens are inside of us, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and sin is the monster that's inside of all of us. And the only way that we can have that gone is through Christ. So we don't want to surrender to the Lordship of Christ because we as a society now reject that, right? He didn't make me male. He didn't make me female. He didn't make me a man that loves a woman. He didn't make, you know, all that stuff. Um, however he made me is fine. So there should be no guilt, but mm -hmm. we still deal with guilt. And the darker movies and shows that we're watching are kind of the scapegoat that we can look at. And so hmm. I deny horror, which hand in hand with horror is like the, the sexualization of film. Right. Too. They go kind of hand in hand. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's fascinating. Interesting. Really, huh? yeah. yeah. Really dug deep into that. Yeah. Or before. Well, Cool. My affirmations and denials aren't that. Uh, they better be. It's what deep. the people pay to hear. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I would affirm opening day of of baseball. The Masters. Oh, well, I mean that's cool too because of Tiger Woods, but yeah. baseball. Well, the Braves lost. Yeah, I would affirm that the season started. I would. Oh, okay. But but 
Did I mess up your denial? Well, no, <laughs> no. I've got. I would. I would say that'd Cincinnati be another Reds denial. Are your denial? Yeah, I deny the Reds. How today. about that first baseman that gave a full interview during the inning while on first base? Yeah, no, that, that was, was cool. cool. Yeah. All right, continue. Sorry. Yeah, opening day, always an exciting time for me. And if any baseball fans are out there, for you too. And uh, unfortunately, our Braves got smacked around a little bit, but it's a long season. So, sure. but cool. Baseball started. Braves games are coming, and it'll be exciting. Now, my denial mm. is well, it's so recently we had really bad storms, and uh, were you scared? I was scared. I was scared. And let me tell you why I was scared. Okay. This is part of my denial. Oh, sorry. You know that storm from, well, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if they were saying it was the one that hit, well, people who don't know our region aren't going to understand this next few seconds. I can't remember if they were saying it was the one who, that hit like South Houston County or if it hit Bonaire. But one of those tornadoes. Both. They were two different ones. Yeah, they were two different ones. As one was going over you, the other was going over me at oh. my mom's house. Oh wow! Yeah. Well, we were we were targets, huh? Well, they well, didn't touch down. Well, we were one spared. of them. Not on. Well, us. they both touched down eventually, but not on us. Right. Right. Yeah. I know. Providence. I know. Providence. Well, let me tell you something. One of those bad boys was an F three. Nah. Which I was is say nice, but not nice if you're in the. Well, line. yeah, that's a big one. Like, that's, I was surprised, you know? Mm -hmm. You don't see big ones like that around here. Yeah. You know? Like, that. Until that's, you do. Until you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just, yeah. <laughs> you're in trouble. But, man, I was like, wow. So, that's my denial. That happened this past week. So, you're and denying we got, tornadoes? Or I'm, denying, <laughs> I'm denying the, the tornadoes are fascinating. I love, to, like, to study them and, you know, I watch a bunch of stuff on them and I'm, but, like, when they hit areas with houses and people, it's just it's not good. So I deny that. So were you home alone during your tornado? by myself. Were you pacing? In our apartment, pacing back and <laughs> forth. And let me tell you, this tornado went straight over my head. It wasn't on the ground, but the funnel of it did. Because yeah. they zoomed in on the radar on the news, and, I mean, it showed... They're like, like, if you're at Andrew's house right yeah, now. Yeah, like, <laughs> right at this location is where it is. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So but, your sister, which happens to be my wife, yeah, uh, there's been a couple times that we've had tornado warnings go right over us where it's not touched down, but it's in the sky. And so, like, you can look up and see the clouds circling mm -hmm. and swirling. And uh, I'm on the back porch watching it, which apparently you're not supposed to do. But I'm watching it swirl overhead. Mm -hmm. And I come inside, and the boys are in the tub in the guest bathroom. <laughs> Football with, helmets on. Uh, the, with one of the kid mattresses on top of them <laughs> and all of their bike helmets. Uh. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So uh, you get it honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was too curious, though. See, what happened was... <laughs> I went to the bathroom, and then I was like, oh, man, I got to see what's going on. So I went from the bathroom and looked straight out the window, and, I mean, yeah. it was, like, right overhead, and it, everything was swirling, the trees were going and stuff. So if it was actually on the ground, I'd have been toast. Toast, because I went to the window. Yeah. So anyway, 
Yeah. That was something that occurred this past week. I like it. All right, so you came up with the idea of leaving a legacy. Yes. I think we should go about it three different ways. And if you concur, okay, let me know. And if you don't, then people are going to hear us fight on our podcast. Yeah, we don't want that. That's like So I'm thinking we should talk about legacy in regards to family, then legacy in regards to culture, and then legacy in regards to economics. That sounds good. All right. All right. Well, start us off, man. So the reason why I decided to go with this is because it's something that I've th- been thinking about for a long, like years, like a long time. Yeah. For me, isn't very long. I mean, for other people, I'm sure isn't very long. But, um, and it's kind of, you know, like the thought of leaving a legacy and stuff has kind of like I've searched it out biblically, but then also um, this is what kind of made me challenge a lot of the theology that I grew up with, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know how much we want to get into like eschatology, um, but I'll mention it now for the sake of the story. Um so eschatology meaning the study of the end in things and the end times. Um, I grew up as what is called uh, dispensational premillennialism. I grew up in that. Okay. And um, so basically, what what they what someone who holds that view would believe is that the world is just getting worse and worse and worse, and eventually we're going to get the church is going to get raptured out of it. And then the the world is going to be judged and destroyed, and then there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. After all of that, and they believe that all that a lot of them believe that all that is going to happen soon. Well, they believed that for a long time, right? Yeah. But that's part of the belief, right? Is, and, and that's why they believed it for a long time yeah. since it's existed. Is that it's going to happen soon, yeah. right? And so that's what I grew up with, and then. I would read things in scripture and we, I mean, in college a lot, we would talk about it and we actually went to several conferences where they addressed it, leaving a legacy, right? So this idea mm-hmm. of leaving a legacy was kind of brought up. And so then I started to wrestle because if you, if you take that logic of dispensationalism to its end, then what's the point, right? If, if everything is about to just, if everything's just going to get worse and the Lord's about to return anyway, then why am I going to um, think about a hundred years from now? Right. Right. Why am I going to um, have that on my mind as I engage with the culture or, um, or raise up my kids? Um, you know, and, and so that kind of caused me to challenge my belief system in that way. And now I would say that I would hold to uh, post-millennialism, which is more of the idea that the kingdom of God is um, leaven in the loaf. Okay. Right? So the loaf being the earth in this illustration and the kingdom of God being leaven that slowly over time overtakes it. That then Jesus, when he returns, takes this, you know, this earth that's been completely redeemed in all ways and everything, every enemy has been made a footstool under his feet. 
and he hands the kingdom of God to the Father and says, here it is, it's complete, right? Right. I would say that aligns more with Scripture, and that provides the framework for people to be consistent with their belief when they are engaging with the culture and whatnot. Um, you do see a lot of premillennialists, uh, dispensationalists, engaging with culture and doing all these things, but that they're not. That is not consistent with the belief, right? Right. That's what I always wrestled with, and so um, and but that's why. Um, that topic came to mind, um, you know, and then, uh, it got brought up recently, I think in a podcast that you sent me, um, where, uh, Douglas Wilson was talking to, what's, uh, something Bonson, what's his first name? Yeah. <laughs> a very good economist. And they were talking about economics and they were saying, and we'll get into this later, they were just kind of saying that, you know, a lot of times the secular world um, is more generationally thoughtful and legacy-minded than the Christian, you know, evangelical world. And because of that, you know, you see how they've dominated the culture today. You see how they've they are the ones who are innovating. They are the ones who are creating a lot of this music that we listen to all the time. Well, that a lot of people listen to all the time, right? Right. Um, and they are the ones who are, you know, in the public being bold about their beliefs, you know? Um, and so that's kind of the framework. That's the foundation and why we're talking about this today. So um, what do you think? Yeah. Well, let's start off. How would you, when we're talking about leaving a legacy, what do we mean by that? Um, so, well, I would say, uh, let me let me just read a passage of scripture because this is another reason why it was on my mind. We went through this passage here on Wednesday night with a college group uh, at our church, but it says this. It says, uh, this is that right after Jesus engages with the woman in the well in John 4. Um Verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat. He said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds, true, <laughs> one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. So legacy, I think, is the idea of us entering into someone else's labor and then leaving seeds planted for other people to labor in, right? Leaving, planting seeds so that other people will reap and reaping things that other people have planted. Okay. Entering into labor and then leaving labor for others to enter into. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah. Um, and so when we're talking about leaving or legacy, uh, inheriting and leaving a legacy within the family, mm -hmm. um, so what you're saying ties into the idea that 
uh, I, I like the story of Guinness. So um, Guinness was a dude in Ireland, and he was impacted by the Reformation. And he saw a lot of people coming to faith in Christ, and he wanted to reach the community. So one of the things that he did was he started making an ale that was dark and heavy and had a lower alcohol percentage so that these guys at the bars weren't getting drunk. Um, And he wanted to also provide for his family. So he bought the lease for the building where they brewed Guinness for like a thousand years, I think is what it was. It's like a thousand year lease. And um, so that's being legacy minded when it comes to family and Mm -hmm. future and impacting the kingdom. Um, So there's a book that I like called future men and it's on raising boys to become men. And one of the quotes of the book, it says, if boys don't learn, men won't know. Right. And the the idea that as I'm a father of three boys, and so I'm raising three future men, and I want to raise them um, to know, to learn what I expect them as men to know and to be doing. So um, – part of leaving a good legacy within my family is that. And the passage that we opened up with in Deuteronomy, he's saying, it's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But then the he tells them that, and then he says, you are to teach these to your children all the time. Put them on the doorpost of your house. Put them on your uh, hands and on your head. And that's not <clears throat> that's not literally... We need to get a tattoo that says, Hero is the Lord of God, the Lord is one. Um, we shall have no other gods before him. But what he's saying is that truth should impact our mind and it should impact our actions. Putting them on the head, it impacts our mind and our thoughts. And then on our, on our hands, it's impacting our actions. And so in doing that, we're leaving this legacy because as it goes on to explain, the Lord is going to give us these fields that we didn't build. He's going to give us these houses that we didn't build. He's going to give us all of this stuff that he's giving to us as a blessing. Mm. And and then you take that with the parable of the talents where the, the owner of the property goes to the three and he says, here's a talent. And one goes and makes another talent. One goes and makes a bunch of talents and then one buries it and just has the one talent. Mm-hmm. And that guy's the one that was got in trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of everything that the Lord blesses us with. We are entrusted to invest that into the kingdom. Um, and, and so when we're looking at our family, I want to reproduce not myself, but Christ in my boys. I want them to be godly men that know what it means to be a man, that know what it means to raise and lead a family, to know what it means to be uh, pastors of their home to be leaders in the church, to be leaders in the community. Um, I, I'm teaching and, and raising them to know what is expected biblically of a man because God's created us differently than women, and he's given us different roles as well. And so I want them to understand that because culture is teaching us that there is no difference, um, and and I want them to know what the Bible says. Right. You know, And then if... There are some 
people out there, they don't have boys, they have girls. And that it's the same thing. We need to be teaching them. What does the Bible say about womanhood? Mm -hmm. What does the Bible say about femininity? And also what should they be looking for in a future husband? Uh, Is what culture is telling them they should look for uh, what they need? Or does the Bible speak a better truth to that? Mm -hmm. Then I also think about the idea that if you look at our culture today, marriage is down, but then we're also seeing not as many people having kids. Right. So birth um, rates way down. Right. Mm-hmm. And and since 2020, it's even farther down than it was. And and so when we're looking at leaving a legacy, mm-hmm. leaving a legacy uh, in the family, we need to be pursuing a spouse and then we need to pursue a family. Uh, part of the mandate, the Adamic covenant and then the Noahic covenant is to be fruitful and multiply. And, uh, and, and that is part of it. That's why if you look at the, the far left, one of the first things they've targeted is the education system. And that's because their percentage wise, they're having far less children. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If you look at the LGBT community, um, they can't have kids. They're adopting some are getting surrogates, that kind of thing. But they they can't have kids. So they're not pushing their agenda to their future generations. They're trying to push them to our future generations. Right. And so our kids need to know what the Bible says, why we believe what we believe and um, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman all of that stuff mm-hmm. goes into leaving a, a, a legacy with the family. Uh, we're leaving a spiritual legacy. So um, the things that I'm learning in my walk with Christ, I want to be passing that on to my kids so that they already know what I've learned in my lifetime and they can build on that and, right. and progress further than where I'm at uh, in their walk with Christ. And then they can leave that to their kids who leave that to their kids. Mm-hmm. But we have to be legacy-minded. And being legacy-minded is not being short-term-minded, you know? So uh, I, I think if you think that you are about to die, you make different decisions than if you know that you're going to be around for a long time. Right. Right? So uh, if, if I think that there's going to be this uh, Armageddon that's about to come or the rapture is about to come or, 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 or even, even World War III is about to come and we're going to get nuked. See, that's the thing. Taking it a step further, not just that you're about to die, right. that everyone is going to die. Yeah. You know? And, and that, that impacts decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. It impacts deci- decisions that the church makes. It impacts decisions that families make. And we need to be legacy-minded yeah. for future generations because... If we as Christians are not just thinking about ourselves or our kids, but we're thinking about our great, great, great grandchildren, I want them living in a, which this kind of ties into number two, uh, when we're talking about a cultural legacy. Um, One of the primary reasons for me wanting to leave a cultural legacy is because I'm trying to leave a family legacy. Mm -hmm. And so I want my kids inheriting the goodness of a culture that's been shaped by the gospel. I want them knowing what right is. I want them knowing what wrong is. 
I want them knowing that there is a creator and that he has set things into motion and that he is Lord over that, that he created us, not uh, ambiguously, but purposefully. And, and he created us for a specific purpose. And, um, and so I want my great, great, great grandchildren knowing those same truths. Right. Um, what I think is happening, and we kind of talked about this because it, it ties in economically as well. But what I think is happening is people are seeing the culture. So I'm kind of shifting to culture now, mm-hmm. uh, leaving, leaving a legacy uh, in culture. But people see the culture around us today, and it's completely different than what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. But that's a byproduct of the 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. right? That's a byproduct of our grandparents and our parents. And um, what we're doing is we're looking at the field and we're seeing a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was telling you is my sister is clearing land right now for a house that her and my brother-in-law are building. And the land that they're clearing used to be a kiwi farm. And kiwis are like grapes. Uh, They're a vine plant fruit. And this kiwi farm was, it had all of this wood and all of this wire. And it's probably miles of it. But they had these, it's like 20 rows of kiwis that are pretty long and uh, they got to go in there and they got to take out all the wire, pull it all out, cut it all, pull it all out. They got to get all the posts out. They got to get the big, um, there's thicker gauged wire for a screen that they would put around it to keep it from frosting. There's a sprinkler system in there. There's all this stuff. Right. And so they're clearing out seven acres of that. And um, starting is a ton of work. And you're looking at this going, I have no clue how we're going to ever get started on this. Mm -hmm. But the way that you do it is the same way that you eat an elephant. You just start with the first bite, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you just keep working at it and keep working at it. And then you get a system and then it kind of starts to flow smoother. And then the more you get done, the faster you're able to do it. And so that's what they've been experiencing is that, but it takes a lot of hard work takes a lot of time and it takes effort and you have to actually make the decision that I'm going to start doing all of that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people spiritually are looking at the culture and saying, man, this place is so overgrown. It, it's easier to just let it sit there and continue to grow over because I can't do anything with that. Right. But Christ is been given all authority. He has been given all authority, not just of the heavens, but of the earth. And the culture, he is king of kings and lord of lords, even of the culture. Mm-hmm. And as his body, we're the church, our call is to put all of his enemies under his footstool. You know, um, I think it's interesting that one of the um, parables that's given is the man with his hand to the plow, and we're told to be busy working not just looking up at the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, when he returns, he wants to catch us working in the field. And that implies that the field needs work. Right. You know? Um, so when we look at the culture, the culture needs us working. It needs us tilling up 
the soil. It needs us pulling out the weeds. It needs us uh, going in and cutting down the trees that have grown up in there. You know, we've got to do the work and it is hard work and it is going to take time. But if we just keep sitting there and staring at it and saying, man, this is unruly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't, I don't know where to start. Um, We've just got to wait off in there and get to hacking and Mm -hmm. start clearing it out, you know? And so spiritually speaking, that's, that's what we've got to be doing. Um, We've got to be engaging the culture with the truth of the gospel. We got to be fighting the fight. And then we've got to be looking for people to come alongside of us and help us to continue to do it. So like um, the people, when they went back to the promised land after being taken into captivity, they go back and the first thing they got to do is rebuild the wall. And it's this huge wall. So they have everybody out and they're just building what's in front of their house. Mm -hmm. And if everybody's doing that, the wall is fully connected. Right. You know, that's what the church needs to be doing. Mm -hmm. We need to start with our families and building up our families and having a legacy mind with our families. And then as we're doing that, um, through the families, we're going to impact the culture. Right. You know, because I've said before, and we talked about this the other day, but uh, politics is downstream of culture, but culture is downstream of the church. Mm -hmm. And so if we're working on the churches and we're working on our families, that's going to impact the culture. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so for us to be legacy minded in the culture, we need to be looking at being legacy minded in our family and being legacy minded in our churches. Right. And I think, you know, what we've got right now is, um, kind of this half in half out, um, thing going on where we are, where a lot of, a lot of evangelicals hold to this idea that it's just going to keep getting worse and worse, and then we're going to be raptured and all this stuff. Um, but we don't actually live that way because if we did, we'd be, you know, we wouldn't be doing anything. We just, right. we'd be, well, or we'd be, see, I don't know. Some people make the argument, like, if we live that way, then that, that you know, makes us go and, you know, well, and, go like to Africa and share the gospel and things well, and like that. And I would that. say if people are doing that, though, I don't have a problem with that. Right. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like my my issue is not with somebody who says that we're about to be raptured and I'm going to go tell people about the gospel. Right. I think that's great. Yeah. We can disagree on that. That's an open handed issue. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a we call it a tertiary issue. Right. Um, because I can't say with all authority that I know that we're going to usher in the end of Christ. Right. I can look at scripture and I can say, this makes the most sense to me. Right. You know, this, I believe this to be true. Um, but it's a tertiary issue. Right. right. So if somebody disagrees with me, we can still go to church together. We can still partner in kingdom work together. We can still mm-hmm. be best friends, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's not like getting bat or getting uh, salvation wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody is wrong on salvation, then we have major issues. Right. You know? So the people that look at it and they say, okay, so like Jerry Falwell, Mm -hmm. big time dispensationalist, right? Um, The Lord's about to return, but then still wanted to start Liberty to be the um, Christian version of Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you know? And so I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, What I want to push against are the Christians that are the proverbial ostrich with their head in the sand. Right. They're looking up at the sky and they're waiting on the Lord to Mm -hmm. come and get them. And they're not 
plowing in the field. Right. You know, so uh, I guess our qualm is with the sky gazers and not the ones working in the field. Right. But they're not complete sky gazers because they still have kids. You know, they still... But what happens is, is that we have these kids. And they have jobs. And they have jobs. And they've got houses. They've got, right. Yeah. They, you know, but what happens is we have these kids, we have these jobs. And when we look at the sky, we're leaving that. We're teaching our kids, don't work, come stare at the sky with me. Right. And and so what that creates is then it goes from family to cultural. Yeah. What that creates is it creates a generation of people who are like, well, as the culture is going to get worse anyway, I'm just, I'm not going to engage. Right. I'm going to do what seems right and best for me, you know, and hopefully a little return soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so that is kind of what, yeah. So that, I mean, that's what we are definitely pushing against. And that's kind of one observation that I make is there that comes to my mind is we're not... Like, even the people who are looking at the sky or putting their head in the sand aren't completely doing that. Right. Because they st- we still have, a lot of them still have kids, they still have jobs, they still have all these things. But it's like it's almost even worse because they mm-hmm. still have these things. Right. They're, but they're letting them go. You well, know what I mean? They're taking their talent and they're burying it. Right. And then when they stand before the Lord, they're giving him that one talent back. Yeah. You know? Right, yeah. And uh, what we're saying is we need to be investing our talents so that we're multiplying them. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the the family that the Lord's given us, whether that's us engaging culture and yeah. seeing more people come to follow Christ. So, like, an- another look at culture and leaving a legacy in culture, which kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with my denial, is you don't see the same talent when it comes to promoting good stories, whether that's authors of books or whether that is movies or shows or music or things like that. Um, Music's caught up a lot because there's kind of been this um, awakening within Christian music that, Mm -hmm. hey, uh, there's a lot. There, <laughs> There's a lot going on right there now. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what I'm saying is the 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 skill level mm-hmm. in the musicians, because before, if your song is about God, it doesn't matter how it sounds, Christians are going to buy it, mm-hmm. right? And that's the same way with movies right now. So I can spend $200,000 on a movie and brand it as Christian, and the same amount of Christians are going to go see it as if I spend five million dollars on that movie um because it's branded as a christian and so you're gonna have that which is why the christian movies are all um at the level that they're at Mm -hmm. you know the acting isn't there the writing isn't there but they're making sure that it's a christian movie and uh and they're gonna have christian words in there that Mm -hmm. catch people's attention and and it's gonna you know all of that but what I'm saying is, so, like, you've got C.S. Lewis uh, who is writing books, and they're not explic- explicitly Christian, but but they are telling a biblical story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, we need people that are Christians first 
engaging in the arts. Mm -hmm. We need people that are Christians first engaging in law. We need people that are Christians first engaging in politics. We need people that are Christians engaging in the military and the police departments and teaching and all of these different areas. Um, We need Christians there doing those things because God's equipped us to have an impact Mm -hmm. in all of culture. And, um, but the arts are lost. If you understand that culture's dark and the Lord's about to rapture us, then what does it matter if I'm learning how to shoot a movie the same quality as Hollywood? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but if I understand that I want to reach culture with the truth of the gospel, one of the best ways I can do that is through a TV show or a movie or something like that, then um, it's just having that legacy mind Mm -hmm. in culture, you know? So there are people that are talented and they can write good stories and they can shoot good movies and they can act and they can do all that stuff. Do that for the kingdom, right? you know? Um, That's what we need to start seeing. We need to start seeing people doing that um, and and not just taking our talents and, and leaving them. Now, what I'm not saying is if you're a good singer go pursue a a professional career solely for the point of glorifying yourself. Right. I'm saying we need to use the talents the Lord's given us to bring him the glory. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying in Deuteronomy. You know, I'm giving you these blessings, but don't forget that I'm a jealous God. Because if you have all these blessings and look around and say, look what I've done, then I'm going to destroy you. Mm -hmm. You know? And, uh, And that's what America's done. We've been given these things that we didn't work for, Uh, We've inherited this biblical legacy and we've gotten fat off of it and Mm -hmm. we've gotten lazy off of it. And now we're facing God's punishment for that. And so what we're saying is we need to look at the field. We need to understand that there's a lot of thorns and there's a lot of thistles and there's a lot of things that need to be cut down, but we need to go out and be working in the culture and restoring it to something that is Christ exalting and Christ honoring. Yeah. So. All right, let's talk God and money. Economics. Ooh, how are we economically legacy-minded? Economics, yeah. This Um, is your wheelhouse. You're Mr. Money Man. (laughs) By degree. This, yes. This is, uh, what, uh, I tell you what, though. Tell me what. So I, (laughs) I, uh, so I got my undergraduate degree in economics. Tell me more. And, um, the more I learn after I graduated college, the more I see, uh, the way that I was taught was taught with an, with a certain perspective. Cause uh, you, people so you think economics, through a worldview. yeah, yeah. Uh, people think economics is just numbers and money, right? But economics really is the study of how people ration out our resources, right? Yeah. We have unlimited wants. We have limited resources. Mm-hmm. So economics is a study of how people address and solve that problem, which means it is, an, it is a moral problem, you know, because people are taking, people are coming up with different ideas to solve this problem, yeah. right? So, um, I, and the more I, grad, more I, you know, after graduation, I learn and see things that other economists are 
saying that I didn't look at or study or anything like that back then, I realized, man. <laughs> but anyway, um, so economically, how do we think about legacy? Well, I think that there are several different types of people out there right now. Um, I think that there are people who take money and use it to, and this is, you know, where the, the parable of the talents really shines through because literally people will take the money and invest it and grow it. Yeah. Right. And then you've got people who take this mentality of I'm going to bury my money to hedge against risk to, um, make sure that nothing bad happens. And or, so what, not just that, but I think something bad is going to happen. Right. And that's why we do that. So I'm going to prepare. Right. Yeah. Not to lose it all. That's right. Yeah. And so what happens is, is we, um, expect this massive economic catastrophe to occur and that it's going to be the end of the way that we do things. Yeah. So what we were talking um, about when we were talking about this the other day running is that the Republicans are kind of like dispensationalists mm -hmm. in the in the way that the Republican Party, and when I say that, I'm not talking bad about them, right? Um, I have voted Republican, um, but what I'm looking at is, economically speaking, there has been this idea that there's going to be this massive inflation that's coming. Mm -hmm. And it's just going to blow up and kill everybody, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas the the Democrats have been saying, no, you're seeing all this inflation, but it's going to work itself out. Like, it's it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, but the Republicans have been pushing. There's, you know, if we keep doing this, everything's just going to blow up, right? And right. that's been kind of like the dispensationalist Christian since Israel became a nation, they've been saying Christ is about to take the church. He's about to take right now. I just, mm -hmm. my mom had a book that was written in the fifties and that's what it was saying. Wow. You know, like Christ is about to come back mm -hmm. and look at Russia. Like Russia right. is about to, they're, you know, Dog they're doing all this dog. stuff. <laughs> yeah. But they're about yeah. to go after, um, the middle East, mm -hmm. you know, um, <clears throat> and then Russia went well, after Afghanistan. Well, they did go after the Middle East. <laughs> then they went yeah. after Afghanistan. And everybody's like, see, see? it's happening. Here it comes. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. and then, but like each, then in the 80s and then in the 90s, you got the Gulf War going on. And then, you know, there's 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 been these things and everybody's like, right now it's happening. Like mm -hmm. if you look at the world scene, this is all playing out. Um, but what, what I'm saying is on the economic level, the Republicans have been doing the same thing with finances. Mm -hmm. Like there's going to be this massive volcano that's about to explode. Um, and so what that's caused is um, the whole prepping mentality, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so you've got some people that are preppers, not in the sense that they live life in fear, but they just want to be prepared for whatever happens so that uh, they can enjoy life. But then you've got people that prep to the extreme and every decision they make is based on fear, mm -hmm. right? And so um, they're, they're making all of these decisions to self-seclude now, even though that's not what they want to be doing, but they're going to do that anyway because what if this happens? Yeah. And all of those people to this date have lived that life without that major catastrophe happening. Mm -hmm. And then they, well, they would say, but look, Russia... 
could nuke us at any moment. Um, but my point is they're, they're operating out of fear and, and they're burying that talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're spending their money to bury that talent. Right. Um, so, so you've got those people, uh, but that's not what we're saying we should be doing. Right. That's not leaving a, a legacy economically. Right. Right. Let me ask you this question though. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Would you affirm or deny that statement? I would affirm it. Okay. So yeah. as a Christian, should we hate money? Well, no, because what that's saying is that the love of, well, yeah, I mean, we shouldn't hate money, but what I mean is the love of money, meaning if it is, you know, taking the place of the love of God, like if you love money as much as you love the Lord, <laughs> yeah, then that's a problem, you know? So I think you should see money like you see a tool. Right. Right? Like you're not going to love a hammer and just be like, enamored with it. Oh my hammer. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I love hammer. I'm sure someone's out there though. <laughs> and they're like, I love my hammer. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so money is a tool. Yeah. And it can be a tool just like a gun. A gun's a tool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh and a gun can be used to protect protect and a gun can be used to destroy life. Right. Um, money is the same way. It can be used to protect, it can be used to make better. Um money can be a blessing that the Lord bestows upon us. In fact, if you look at the Proverbs and if you look at Scripture as a whole, when God blesses people, part of that blessing is financial. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you look in the Old Testament, when God's hand is with His people, it's not just His hand that's with them, but there's financial blessing. Oh, you see the riches of there's, Solomon. You yeah, see, there's cows yeah. and there's goats and there's camels and there's all this stuff. Added, cedar, you know, cedar. Yeah. Um, and so part of being blessed by the Lord is economic blessing. Mm-hmm. And we should be desiring to leave that for future generations as well. Right. So what's the best way to go about doing that? Well, you've got to be a good steward, right? Okay. So um So marrying this... my money is not being a good steward? No. Because okay. it, let me let there's a little it won't make <laughs> a money tree. No, there's a there's a little bit of economics involved in that. So, um, when you first of all, if you sit on money, you're losing money. Okay. Right. Um, if you sit because money has got a time value to it, which means that over time, if it is left alone because of constant inflation, it's going to decrease in value. So the way that you combat that is you've got to invest it. And when you invest it, if you invest it at a rate that's higher than the rate of inflation then your money is going to be, you know, that you're going to have more money, right? right? And that goes back to the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents, the guy, the one buried the money, but then the other two, inve- or not the money, but the talent, and then the other two invested with that talent, and, uh, well, I guess it is money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, invested with that talent, and one of them had five, and the other had one, right? Mm-hmm. One more. And so when we're thinking generationally, leaving a legacy, right? My great, great, great grandfather, a hundred dollars was a lot of money back yeah. then, right? If, if he buried that and said, we're going to, you know, I'm going to save this for my family. Well, I'd be like, thanks, grandpa. <laughs> I'll yeah. go and, you know, I'll go and buy a 
video you know, game. Video game with it. Yeah, heck. Um, because that's all you can get, you know, right. today. Yeah. Right. But if if my great 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 grandfather had invested in Ford, <laughs> yeah, you know, or something like that, well, then it'd be a whole different story, you know. Well, your so that's great, kind of great 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 grandfather would have been before Ford. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So we'll we'll say two greats. Okay. Great great grandfather would have been about then. Okay. So um, so yeah, so that's kind of what we're talking about with leaving a legacy. Also you know teaching because a lot of times what we what we do too is we say that money is bad so i'm not going to teach my kids to love money but the the thing is is that our children have got to learn to steward it right, right? because yeah. money like you said is a tool that needs to be you got to know how to use it or else what are you going to do like well think you of can money like a, food right right so like i can overeat and be a glutton right and that's a sin right i can have so much money that i worship the money and mm-hmm. that's a sin but if i don't eat enough then i'm going to starve to death right and it's the same financially if i'm such a bad steward with the money that i've been given that i can't provide for my family then that's not allowing me to be the spiritual leader right. that I've been called to be. Right. Because I've been called to protect my family and to provide for my family, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and and so part of that is economically leaving a legacy as well. Right. And, you know, not to continue on, because I know we're getting, <laughs> going on a little bit, but, um, you know, there's been also this kind of drive lately in evangelicalism, and I don't know how long it's been there, of this idea that if you are truly following Christ and what you're going to do is you're going to, because of, because of what Jesus said to the rich man, right? The rich young ruler. He said, if you want to follow me, sell all of your things and come follow me. So we've taken that idea and we've said, if you truly want to follow Christ, you're going to sell all your stuff and then you're going to go and be a missionary for him. Yeah. Right now, do some people, does the Lord call some people to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is, they are faithful in that, and that is a huge thing to do, right? Um, and that's awesome that they do that. But if everybody did that, it would be, it'd be, right. we'd have a problem, yeah. you know, because then we'd be forfeiting all of this stuff that the Lord has given us to steward, to steward our families, to steward the culture, to steward because money helps with all of that. You can't make a money, make a movie without money, right? right. You can't. You can't do hardly anything. Well, which is why I go back to the Old Testament and when God's blessing his people, when his hand is on them, he's economically blessing them as well. Right. Because when I'm economically blessed, I can reach more people with the gospel than I can if I'm poor. Yeah. You know, economically. Right. Um, and and so not to say that poor people can't that that's what but, i'm saying but yeah they they can still reach people right. we're we're to reach people with what the lord's given us that's right yeah. and so some people are called to reproduce themselves one time the person that brought back two talents the lord had given him, or the person had given him one talent and then he brings back he reproduced that and two, had two mm-hmm. that person was blessed right but then the other person reproduced it Four, had four more talents, you know? Um, so God is going to equip people differently. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what we've got to understand is we need to be also teaching our kids how to not love money, 
but how to use money as a tool for the kingdom right. and for the Lord's glory and not our own glory. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like we could go on and on about this today, but I think we should probably stop it here. Yeah. If you guys have any questions or want us to continue on with any of the topics, please reach out to us. Let us know. Info at locustandhoney.net. You can email us there. Or you could follow the link in our show notes and follow us on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter and talk to us there about that as well. Also, since we're here, Mm -hmm. if you would like to invest in us and what we're doing, (laughs) then there is also in our link tree uh, a way that you can invest in that, uh, the ministry that we've got going on. We are trying to reach people with the truth of the gospel to the heart of the nation. Mm-hmm. And um, if you would like to be a part of that, feel free to do so. And we promised this wasn't one massive. Uh, this was not. I just, this is not one I of those took things. That opportunity <laughs> because I want to be a yeah. good steward of what the Lord's given us as well. That's right. So we love you guys. If you're still here, have a good Lord's Day. And we will see you next week. Yes. <laughs>